we're continuing our reading in Romans chapter 15, starting at verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except the, what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, <clears throat> so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to um, Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Thank you, Marcia, for reading the passage for us this morning that we will be covering. Uh, good morning, Cross Fellowship. Welcome. It's wonderful to see you. Thank you, those who are joining us online. We appreciate your presence. Love that. When we thank you for your patience with me, also, Cross Fellowship is, um, yeah, just many times not super polished. Um, I appreciate your love and care. So thank you, John. It's nice to have you back again. I actually had a wonderful conversation with John. He's speaking better and sounds good, so grateful for you to be back among the living. <laughs> thank you for your presence. <clears throat> when you come to a passage like this, when the Apostle Paul begins to give a description about himself, the danger is, is to take what God has instructed, to take what God has instructed for the apostle and then begin to preach it in a way that presses in truths that are for Paul and not call all other Christians to, to his task. There are, so I want to be careful with that, and especially as we begin this transition in closing this letter down. So Paul makes a transition here. This is a transitional statement that he begins to speak of as to why he wrote the letter and who he is. He begins to lay out for us, if you will, as Marcia read, some of his calling from Christ. So it is important for us to not take everything that Jesus has commissioned or given to the Apostle Paul and then press that into the lives of everyone so that you don't come away feeling that, wow, I've got to go to Jerusalem and Illyricum, or I've got to do this or that. So we want to be careful and look at some general principles of what's going on here in the, in the Apostle Paul's life and translate that over into the church. So as I begin to study and prepare 
for this passage, what I kept noticing is, is the commission that God had given to the Apostle Paul. And you, there, you can see it twice here in the passage that Paul talks about um, his ministry in verse uh, 16. He is called to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of, here's our phrase, the gospel of God. You can see this also down on verse 19, if you look down there. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of of Christ. So the Apostle Paul was tasked with taking the gospel to people. The Gentiles is ultimately who his people that he was called to. Now I want you to get a hold of something here. If Christ Jesus selected one apostle, one person, to take to the Gentile people, and to preach a message, and then begin to work that message into the heart and lives of those that God converts. And God gives him the instruction of the gospel. Then that should be a, 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 an understanding from our perspective that what is important to the heart of God needs to be exactly the same importance to the church as we continue in the gospel. If the gospel is what God exposited or gave or put into his head by transmitting himself into Paul's head and being able to be the one to carry that message that would go beyond conversions and then begin to work in the heart and life of the church, then it is important to understand that the gospel is important for the life of the church. You can see that um, on the title. I've, I don't know how it's better to title it, but it's the ministry of the gospel in the church. So what we can d deduct from this particular passage is that the Apostle Paul's plan or his way of what he wants to move into the heart and life of the church is the gospel. So this brings us to something very interesting. I've had multiple people ask me, well, what exactly is the gospel? What is the gospel? Can you define the gospel? And you can see on your handout there's no definition on the gospel. You're saying, Mike, why did you do that? Do you not understand the definition of the gospel? Well, let me say this this way. Here's what I really would love for our church to really begin to get a hold of when you hear that word gospel. First of all, you need to have an understanding, or we do, that it is a biblical word and it is designed by God to not only be the front end that brings conversion, but it is also a word that is to be uh, cultivated or harvested into the life of the church. So the church doesn't get away from the gospel. The church doesn't believe that we've got the gospel and then we move on from the gospel. The gospel is a very part of our fabric and our being that is to be woven in and among us. 
Mike, you haven't defined the gospel yet. Let me say this. As I pondered and thought about the word, the gospel, what I would tell you is, is that is, in my opinion, among the most loaded words in the Bible. Very, very complex, and yet, at the same time, unbelievably simple. So there is a way that the gospel is a very difficult word, and it comes with all kinds of weight, and it's loaded. Look back at Romans chapter 1, when Paul opened this letter, if you will. Romans chapter 1. By the way, the word itself, if you just took the word itself, means good news. So there is a part of what the gospel means. Verse 15, Paul says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you. So, from that, we can understand that the gospel is also a message. It's a message that can be preached. It's amazing that God can take so much power, so much amazing, wondrous works, His divine, supernatural power, and put it into a word given to humans to work with that we can preach and proclaim, and it brings amazing works of God. So, there we have a portion of the gospel. Again, it means good news. It also is a message that has come from God. Look, continue on there. He says, for I am not ashamed of, here's our word, the gospel. For it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now, how are you going to possibly define the power of God put into the gospel. Very, very difficult to do to try to encompass as human beings all the divine power of God that gets put into this word, the gospel, that is a message that gets to be preached about the good news. Let's continue on. Let's see what else is packed in the gospel. <clears throat> the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the gospel, wow, here's a lot more that's packed in there. The righteousness of God is revealed. This is what's amazing is when you begin to talk then about the righteousness of God packed into the gospel. That is a description of the depravity of humanity, the absolute holiness of God packed in there, Describe that. Humans, sinfulness and wickedness. This is the, the depravity of way humanity is born. You also then have the amazing, beautiful diamond, if you will, that rises up out of the gospel that we have sung about this morning, the most highest uh, focus that should be seen in the gospel is then the Savior, 
Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who died on the cross. So you have Christ, the beautiful diamond that rises then up out of the gospel. So it's good news, it's a message, it's the power of God, the righteousness of God, his holiness, the depravity. You've got Jesus and there's also a response required from the preaching of the gospel. So with that being said, when, when we say the gospel, what I'm trying to do is get the church's understanding that this is an amazing, complex, powerful word that God has given that really cannot be put in a box. I believe many times churches try to believe that they can pull down that kind of a word, package it up, put it in a little lunchbox, neatly wrapped and packaged, put it either on the back of a track or this is how it's done or that's how it's done. I really believe with all my heart that this has been a lot of the problem with the church is that we have tried to condense down an amazing, powerful word and bring it down into something that we can slap on a platter and give it up and people believe that they've got something. How in the world can that possibly happen when we are talking about the gospel? So, this is what is very important. This is what, when God called the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, and he said, this is my chosen vessel whom I'm going to put my message in, then send him back and I'm going to show him how much he is going to suffer for my name's sake. The message that the Apostle Paul was tasked to bring to the church was the gospel. <clears throat> that is an incredibly powerful word with the beauty of Jesus Christ shining out in the center of the word gospel. So when we talk then about the ministry of the gospel church, I am not at all talking about a seeker-friendly church. In fact, I would contend that the closer the church walks in accordance with the gospel, and it has the gospel of Jesus Christ woven in its fabric, the more it will not be a seeker church because its focus is upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinfulness of man, the holiness of God, and calling people to repent. As we look at this passage that deals with the gospel, what I have pulled out are full four truths that we can find here. So and I'm not saying it's exhaustive, and I'm not saying that that's all there is. This is what I am, is to not press too hard in what the apostle Paul um, has been tasked to do. The first one you can see on your handout there is verse 14. <clears throat> so when we go into this, the Apostle Paul come down, before I get into this, the Apostle Paul came down on the Galatians for following a, a, a different or a false gospel. Churches can do that. They can stray. Paul knew that these Romans were converted, and yet he sent them the gospel. The gospel message is to be woven in our fabric. 
We are to have an understanding that goes way beyond a simplistic word. Paul told the church at 1 Corinthians, the first importance of that message, the gospel I bring to you, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So there's your diamond, the beauty of it, in the midst of all this gospel. Paul says in verse 14, I myself, <clears throat> as he transitions into his closing, am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. I want to ask you something. How in the world is Paul that sure of these people? He's not been there. How in the world is he sure that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to instruct one another? He gives three points about them. He's never met them. I want to ask you something. What his confidence is in is not the people. Paul's confidence is in the power that the gospel brings when a person is converted. This is huge. Every born-again Christian here is already full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to instruct one another. Now, we do not need to go and believe that all of a sudden you've come into a position of God and you've got all knowledge. That is not at all what Paul is saying. In comparison to the evil, wicked depravity of mankind through the transformation, the Apostle Paul is saying that he is confident in a way that they are now have a heart change that is full of goodness. That has happened to every born-again believer here. There is a way that you have come into this knowledge that is, that is not in the life of unbelievers, of the gospel and of Christ. And you're able then to be able to instruct one another and continuing to talk to one another about Jesus. Listen, this is a serious problem when somebody is absent of these things. This is a beautiful way to identify those who have never been transformed by the power of the gospel. Paul says, I've not met you, but I am confident in not you, but I am confident in the power and the work of the gospel. That's what I told you. It brings down and calls down amazing power. If you are here and you have been transformed out of darkness and brought into light, then you are full of goodness Praise God. Our lives have been changed. We are filled with the knowledge of Jesus. You're not all knowledge about it. That's not what it's saying. Don't, we don't need to stretch and go beyond. But there is a knowledge that is put there that has not been, that you didn't have, but the, the Holy Spirit brought that, and you're able to instruct one another on spiritual things. <clears throat> why it's so important that the gospel not be strayed from in the heart and life of a church. This, it brings the ability to be able to encourage the believers. It's really encouraging to know, wow, I do know Jesus. 
I know him because my heart has been changed and I am encouraged that I belong to Christ. Verse 15 and 16. The gospel ministry <clears throat> gently confronts Christians for the purpose of sanctification is what I have on my notes. Let me try to explain that. Paul says, but on some points, <clears throat> I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. Because of the grace given me by God, so here's his reason why he wrote to them very boldly. Because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul recognized the issue, a problem in the church at Rome. They weren't getting along. As I mentioned to you last week, this is an amazing transition in history for the Jews. Still is a problem for them today. But in this transition for the Jew and Gentile church to be together, there were serious problems in here. The ministry that the gospel works in the heart and life of a church is to ensure, Paul says, I have written to you on some points very boldly. You know, nobody likes to be confronted. Nobody likes to be wrong. Especially in today's society, nobody's wrong, everybody's right in their own eyes. But with the ministry of the gospel working in the church, what you see here is that the Apostle Paul confronted these believers for a very purpose. This continues in the life of the church. We do this in cross-fellowship. We do this with one another as we're instructing one another. We gently correct and confront one another when we know that there is sin. And here's the reason why. Paul says, so that... In this ministry, ultimately for Christ Jesus, and it's the administering or the ministry, the service work of the gospel throughout all of you, what he is saying that this is for the purpose that your offering is acceptable before God. The only offering that would possibly be acceptable before a holy God from a Gentile people would not be themselves, it would be Jesus Christ alone. The only thing that we have to offer as hope for entrance into the eternal kingdom is Christ. Paul says, I wrote to you by some things that are very difficult in order that to help ensure and make sure as I minister the gospel into the heart and lives of people that absolutely no one misses out by having a hold of Christ, which is the only thing that is acceptable before God. This work 
is sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You have drawn now from Paul's ministry work of the gospel to see to it that nobody misses out, that everyone's offering is acceptable before God. You have drawn down the entire power of the Trinity on that particular work. You've got the Father that people stand before. Christ is the only offering that people have hope in. And you've got it sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of the Trinity is drawn down onto the church when this ministry continues to happen in the church. There are people that when you can try to confront them and lovingly say, please don't go down that way. I will have nothing to do with you. I'll go my own way, regardless if I'm going over a cliff. That, my friends, is very sad. Paul says, I'm ministering the gospel in the heart and life, and that gospel ministry is also sometimes confrontational. Paul says, I've written to you very boldly on some things. These were not acceptable. <clears throat> People that continue down the life and path of sin, honestly, 1 John says, if you continue in habitual sin, you have never been born from God. End of story. If your life is filled with a life that continues in habitual sin, there is a reality that should be checked as to your offering and what you're standing on, will it be acceptable before a holy God? Verse 17 through 19, the gospel message should compel us to humbly testify and model as to what Christ has accomplished through us. Paul made sure that in his gospel ministry that there was nothing that would put, be put in the way of others to help them See Christ more. Let's look at the passage, verses 17 through 19. In Christ Jesus then, for the Apostle Paul, by way of extension to us as well, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God, meaning this is his ministry, Paul's ministry or Paul's offering. Let me back up just for a second. Paul's offering or Paul's ministry was the offering of the Gentiles to see to it that what they possessed in Christ was right or be acceptable in Christ Jesus, verse 17, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Here's why. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. The ministry of the work of the gospel works in such a way that continues to bring true Christians to obedience. One thing I have said, I've stated it, as some of you may have heard me make this statement, is that what the unbeliever gets is the law. If you are, recognize that you are dealing with an unbeliever, what Paul talks about in 1 Timothy is to set the law before them. Help them to try to see that they can never get over or around that law of God. They have broken and violated the law of a holy God. The only hope that they have then is to turn and trust in Jesus. But if you are dealing with a Christian, you set Christ 
before the Christian and he'll come out of sin. You set Christ. Paul uh, is very passionate about a church continuing to be obedient, and that is absolutely true. If obedience is not seen, it gets really blurry as to where the line is, as to whether that person is a Christian. But when a church gets the ministry of the gospel being worked in and out, and we continue to talk about what Christ has done for you, dear Christian, if you are here and you are just feel like you're entangled in sin and you just can't have hope, we would set Jesus before you if you believe and ask you because he died on the cross, he received the wrath of God in your place, he turns and gives you forgiveness for an eternity, would you please love him more than your sin? Paul sets Christ as a the work of the gospel into the heart and lives of Christians so that they would be bring, he says, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. This is very important that Paul made sure that his testimony matched up with his life. In other words, what he is saying matched up with what he did. This is very important for a Christian to get a hold of. The hypocrisy is a gospel killer because it indicates that that, that gospel is not really quite satisfactory in your life, that Christ being dwelled in you and his beauties, his perfections, his love, his sacrifice, his receiving of the wrath of God, his love and his forgiveness isn't really working for you. Then you turn around and try to tell somebody else, please follow Jesus. I am telling you, this is what Jesus stated in Matthew chapter 7 when he said, try to give then what is holy to the dogs or to the pigs. They'll trample it and they'll turn and tear it to pieces. And it's all couched in the, the understanding of hypocrisy. Paul's word and deed matched up here. If you try then to tell somebody or encourage someone else, the immediate first thing that people get to do is look at your life and say, who are you? What are you trying to tell me? It is important that the gospel have its work and effect in the heart and life of the church that continues to bring about obedience by way of reminder in our lives. <clears throat> Paul says, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Ultimately, Paul was commissioned with amazing powers from God to authenticate his message. Every one of you have experienced a miraculous work from God that has been born again. If you're here and you have been born from above, can I tell you there has been, in my opinion, the greatest miracle that has ever been performed on you is through your conversion, your transformation for the divinity of God to be able to reach into a human heart that is dead, cold, hard, 
wicked, bound, enslaved, in bondage that cannot and is helpless, hopelessly lost, get itself out. And God, through the power of the gospel, reaches into a human heart, replaces the heart of stone with a beautiful, beating flesh heart that now can respond to love him. And an amazing surgery has happened into the heart and life of every born-again believer that is still today beautifully converting and transforming and demonstrating that the power of the gospel has not lost any of its punch. <clears throat> Paul's message of the gospel was authenticated by all of the miraculous works that he has done. There are still, I believe, miraculous works that are being done, and the greatest among them is through the power of the Spirit of God. Paul attributes all of this work not to Satan, not to anything, but when it authenticates the gospel of Christ, it is through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is always seen in someone falling in brokenness and repentance, falling on their face to Christ, and surrendering all of who they are before a holy God, believing on the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel message compels us to humbly testify and model as to what Christ has accomplished through us. Let me ask you something. Is there anything in your life that is causing a hindrance to the beauties of Jesus? Does it have such a stronghold on you that looking to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that to continue down this path you might resolve in your heart and mind today. It's just not worth it. I'm not going there anymore. Lord, I love you more. That you would bring about an amazing change into your heart through the power of the Spirit by recognizing the message of the gospel again to let it work, have its ministry in your life. <clears throat> Paul says by the power of the Spirit of God, so that I want to tell you that it's for Cross Fellowship today because Paul said, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Paul was not just a one-and-done preacher. He was not just one that saw the conversions happen and let them flounder on his own. He was the apostle to the Gentiles to continue to administer the gospel work in the heart and lives of the church. That's why I wrote so many letters back. It is important to the heart of God that cross fellowship, as in all these churches, the ministry of the gospel of Christ should be seen for all the churches. Can I tell you, there are a lot of churches that are preaching absolutely nothing to really help people. They're not preaching the gospel. They're not standing on the gospel. They're not ministering the gospel in the heart and lives of people. Church, if you ever sense or find that your leadership has strayed from the power and the beauties of the gospel, please call us out. 
that would be really devastating. There are a lot of churches have their doors stuffed full and huge um, that don't preach the word. They don't preach the gospel. Verses 20 through 21, Paul then talks about his ambition. He says, and thus I make it my aim or ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, quote from Isaiah 52, 15, those who have never been told of him, look at the word. It's not that they might see. It's not that he hopes that they'll see. It's guaranteed they will see. And those who have never heard will understand. You know what's amazing when you get a hold of the power of the gospel is not in our creative words. There are people that have been called to take the message yet still today to people who have never heard and people who have never seen. Praise God for that. We support that. We love that. As a church, we do super encourage that. But can I tell you that reaching out to people should be really fostered and ingrained in the heart and lives of every Christian. Charles Spurgeon said, if you have no desire for others to be saved, you're not saved yourself. You can be sure of that. Incredible words that are true. When God converts a person, there immediately is a heart for others to know him. And all of us should have an understanding that the gospel message converts the elect through evangelism. Paul says, I make it my ambition to get to more people that have never heard so that I get the opportunity to preach the gospel. There might be some here among us that have not had their spiritual eyes opened, that have not had their spiritual hearts touched, that have not had the understanding that has been brought to them that they are now full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able to teach and talk to one another about Christ. That's a very difficult subject for you, maybe. Paul's confidence is in the power of the gospel, as is cross-fellowship. All we're called to do is get the seed out of the bag and sow it. The results are up to the Lord. But God still has chosen to use this message of the gospel to convert whom he chooses. We have seen that in this passage, in this letter already. So if you are believing this letter, all of it, then we believe that there is not anything that we can do. We have a good number of young people here. Kids, I want to share with you something. It is very important that you have an understanding, and I do believe that moms and dads have been encouraging this and talking to your children about this. God is absolutely holy. God would not accept me 
God would not accept your mom and dad. God would not accept any per person on the face of the planet. He is not going to accept you. I know that might seem like hard words. It's because that you have inherited, just like mom and dad, and just like the rest of us, a nature that is evil and bent towards hating God. This is how it is manifested in your life. You want to argue with your siblings. We, we don't want to hear what mom and dad have to say. What we want to do is go our own way and for you adults that continue to believe that you are so self-righteous and that you can come to this church and sit here and perhaps be lost and, and, and continuing down a path of believing in your own righteousness. And children, this is for you as well. There is only one hope that you or anybody else on the face of the planet can hope in, and that is through Jesus Christ. And the message is, is that Jesus came, sent from this holy God, knowing that you cannot uh, stand before him on your own, and he died, he put himself on the cross, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, bearing the wrath, the full weight of God on himself. It is amazing what Christ took. As God poured out his wrath on his only son, he unleashed all of his hatred, his anger, all of his vengeance, his holy wrath on his son. And his son took the weight and the wrath of God his father for sins that he did not commit because he owned sins of other people as he bled and he died his blood was shed and spilt for the forgiveness of sins kids this is the only hope this is the message of the gospel that's why it's very difficult to define is because you're talking about a person you're talking about people. You're talking about God. But it's all there. This is the message. The, the capture of the gospel is that Jesus died, paid the penalty for sins, and the only hope that you have is the call for you to repent. Turn from that. No longer walk in that path. This is the way that I'm going. I have to own the responsibility of a human that this is no longer going to be the direction I'm going to go. By the grace of God, he reaches into your heart. This is what most people miss. It's a divine intervention from God. This is why America is filled. The churches are stuffed with people that believe that they're right with God and they have never had a divine intervention from God on the heart that changes the person and brings them miraculously out of darkness, plunged through the blood of Jesus and into his glorious light. That is the only way a person can be converted is through the Spirit of God. If that is not happening to you, please stop pretending. Kids, you are called by God to repent from who you are and from the worship of yourself and fall in love with the beautiful sacrifice of Jesus Christ alone. When we send missionaries out, 
I think it's wonderful when missionaries are headed to a people groups that have never heard. And I think it's wonderful that there is some study about that people groups. But I want to challenge this church that when we send missionaries out and you're going to proclaim the gospel, that you do not know a people group more than you know the gospel. The Apostle Paul, I do not believe, knew everything that there was to know about Gentiles. And yet he was called to proclaim the message. God uses not our brilliance, not our eloquent words, not the way that we can hope and think that we know all about people to trap them in a corner to try to get them to be converted. All we're called to do, just like what I did, I have modeled it just for you just now in a little probably more excited voice than what most of you. <clears throat> However you would do it. God loves a variety of the way that his people will share the gospel. Do not think for one second, well, I can't say it like you. Please, that would be, you're looking wrong. If you're wondering, well, I don't know how to share the gospel. Well, we can share that. We can talk about that. <clears throat> but if you're a born-again Christian, you already have the light of what it takes. It's Jesus. Not in eloquent words. Not in the way you can articulate, hold your mouth. Not in anything else but the beauties of a holy God that no one can get past. The sinfulness of man the way that these sins are dealt with through Jesus Christ and the call, pleading with people to repent. I'm asking you, if you're here, you're struggling with where you're at, I'm asking you to repent. Please turn. Please turn from your sins. Trust in the only way, the only hope, the only life that any of us ever have <clears throat> to be saved. The gospel ministry works in the heart and life of the church. We never gonna, we're not going to leave the gospel, get away from the gospel. The gospel should be woven in our factory. But my hope and prayer for you tonight, to this morning, was to expand your mind as to the gospel. Don't dumb it down and believe that you can package it up like a little lunchbox and give it to somebody. But believe in what the word teaches about it, that it carries an incredible amount of infinite holy God behind that word. So when we use the gospel around here, it means a lot to us. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we thank you so much for revealing to us your heart. What is most important that you gave to your apostle to take to churches, we should see as most important to us with the beauty of Jesus shining forth. May the church see in this passage 
the passion of Paul that you lit him on fire to take the message. See conversions happen. Start churches and then minister the word and the gospel into the heart and lives of the church. God, we pray as Cross Fellowship that we would recognize that we exist to glory, glorify you, bring you glory by making disciples of all nations. We pray this, Lord, in your holy name. Amen.